Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. You can tell the tree by the fruit. You can tell the fruit by the taste. Gethsemane is the place of the olive press. Next slide, please. The olive. Olives are absolutely... I've done a lot of reading about olives, and I'm not going to tell you everything I know, but I know a lot about olives after this week. Uh, One of the things... This is just random and nothing to do with the service at all. One of the things I learned is that olive oil has been used in the uh, manufacture of quantum computers. Now, if Neil was here, he would be amazed at that fact. So it's been used for thousands and thousands of years, olive oil. And, of course, if you squeeze an olive, you get olive oil out of it. You can tell it's an olive if you get olive oil. If you don't get olive oil out of it, it's not an olive. If you jump on it, if you stamp on it, if you squeeze it gently, if you press it hard, if you throw it against a wall, you get olive oil out of it. If you run over it in a bus, you get olive oil out of it. It doesn't matter how hard you press it, what kind of pressure you put on it, you get just olive oil. If you put an olive in vodka and vermouth, you get James Bond. Shaken, not stirred, obviously. Uh, But the point is that an olive contains nothing but olive oil. And uh, that's, well, it does contain more than that. But you know what I mean? You're You're getting the point. Olive oil. And Gethsemane is where olives are pressed. And I wonder what comes out when we are pressed. What is it that comes out? Gethsemane is a place where Jesus was hard pressed. And I'm going to invite Joe up to talk to us more about that now. Thank you. So don't forget there are some really nice little... um, fun sheets here if uh, if anyone wants to i don't know if the young people children not young people probably uh, older young people want to come and grab one of those we're just going to think for a minute about um well that's a lie we're actually going to think for about 10 minutes about uh being hard pressed um and uh and um, and what comes out so do feel free as i'm speaking just to come up and get a sheet don't worry about that uh there's pens here as well um so so help yourselves Brilliant. So, we've had some fun, haven't we? I hope you enjoyed the fruit this morning. Um, So, how do we respond when we're hard-pressed? I can remember as a child, my mum getting really annoyed with us when we broke something or when we were just causing general chaos around the place or when something happened that was an accident and, and, you know, was kind of like out of her control. Um, I can remember that uh, she'd get really cross with us and, and I can also remember that I am very similar and was very similar with our children when the girls were young. If they spilt things or broke things, it would uh, really drive me nuts. And still, when the Wi-Fi goes wrong at home, I am less than patient, it has to be said. But finally, I think we've got it sorted. However, in a big crisis, I tend to deal with that really quite well. And I often surprise myself um, that I can uh, display more positive attributes in a big crisis. 
And I'm not really sure what that's about, except that maybe I find it easier to trust God in the bigger things than actually realise that it's important to also be honouring to him and to be displaying something uh, of his godly attributes in the smaller things in life as well. All of these are familiar quotes. It's written all over your face. You're showing your true colours. Dig deep, you've got it in you, so the truth will out. In other words, we know, don't we, that what's on the inside finds its way out, whether that's good or bad. Earlier in the year at Freedom, we looked at the fruits of the Spirit, didn't we? And um, we make no apology, actually, for revisiting that today a little bit as we think about what comes out when we're hard-pressed. Because fruits are something that need attention, they need time, and they need nurturing. By the very nature of a fruit, it's not something that happens instantly, is it? It's actually something that we need to be, uh, if we're a gardener, we need to be nurturing. And uh, we, you know, I've got an apple tree. The girls for our 20th wedding anniversary... um, which was a few years ago now, they did an amazing thing and they went, they took a wheelbarrow to Hilliers when it was still on Botley Road and they bought us an apple tree for our 20th wedding anniversary. They hid it in our neighbour's garage and on, on, on our anniversary, there it was. And it was such a lovely gift that I managed to kill within about four years. And I was really upset that this thing died because it was, it was, it was a real meaning, actually. Um, and so when um, recently we lost our lovely Labrador, um, I went and bought another apple tree. So I'm really hoping that the same doesn't happen. Uh, and that actually, I've learned from that and realised that you have to nurture these things and you have to put good stuff in, don't you, in order for, to see the fruit grow. So the thing with real fruit is this, that they are what they are through and through. So you get a kiwi and inside it's a kiwi and it will always taste of kiwi and it will always have the texture of kiwi until it starts to go a little bit bad and then maybe that's slightly different. But they are what they are through and through. But the thing with us is that we're a little bit more complex than that, aren't we? And, uh, and, and things don't always uh, come out of us in the same way every time that uh, a situation arises. I think thinking about what comes out of us when we are hard-pressed um, is really helpful in terms of thinking about our spiritual growth and development and how we see our relationship with God. It's kind of like a bit of a barometer, really, for how much we can trust God, how much we're actually really uh, living in the promises that there are contained within his word, um, and how well we actually know those things. And also a bit of a barometer for how much we're allowing his Holy Spirit to transform us. We're not in this on our own. We're just not in this on our own, and God wants to change and transform us. So how are we different? When we look um, in the Bible for examples of how people coped when they were hard-pressed, we see Peter was hard-pressed at Gethsemane when his beloved Jesus was betrayed and arrested. What came out of him when he was hard-pressed? Fear, anger, violence. He cut off the soldier's ear with a sword. What came out of Jesus at Gethsemane was healing. The Israelite army, the Israelite army were God's chosen people uh, under Saul in the Old Testament. So this was quite some time before Jesus was born. When they were hard pressed, it tells us in 1 Samuel 13, that they, through fear, they hid in caves and bushes and holes in the ground. 
And then in Psalm 118, verses 1 to 7, we see David. Now, David was a a king over all Jerusalem and Judea in around about 1000 BC, so quite some time ago. He had many ups and downs in his life. He was a great and talented musician, which is why he wrote so many of the Psalms, and we believe this is one of his as well. And he wrote this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried out to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. David, when hard-pressed, cried out to the Lord. He kept on saying his love endures forever. I wonder if it was a bit of a mantra, because I think sometimes as we're developing good fruit, as we're developing our responses, as we're becoming more like God, I think sometimes we need to be intentional about the things that we're saying and the things that we're reading and the things that we are developing in our lives and the truths that are there contained in the Bible. We need to be believing those. And sometimes it can take us a little while to get that, can't it? So I wonder if David was intentional in that reference Repetition, his love endures forever. He is with me, I will not be afraid. And he needed space in order to find that. When Jesus was hard pressed in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He chose to submit to the Father, not my will, but yours. All this year at Freedom, we've been thinking about getting rooted, haven't we? And actually, as I've been thinking about roots this week in preparation for this, it's such an important, important part of our discipleship and our development as Christians that we put good stuff into our roots. Our lives are like a tree. (laughs) In In order for us to bear that good fruit, we need to have nutritious roots and we need to have healthy belief systems. So if we think of the roots as our background, as those, those things that have gone into us, that have made us, that have created us, all those inputs that we've had over the years, and then our tree, the trunk of our lives, is, our, is kind of like our belief system, if you like. That's the thing that gives us the strength we need. We're all rooted in something, and those roots draw power from our backgrounds, from our upbringing from the class that we grew up up in, from specific incidents that happened in our childhood or in our cultural context as well. It's kind of the soil of our life. And actually, a lot of that stuff we have little or no control over. We need God's Holy Spirit to begin that process of transformation so that the power comes also from him and not just from negative stuff and perhaps influences that we haven't been able to control. And this is what will help us change and grow. So, for example, we may quite naturally um, go through life uh, carrying a lot of shame or a lot of fear without even realising it. And that might be due to stuff that's happened in our lives and any number of factors in our backgrounds. And then our behaviours are driven by by those beliefs. And when hard pressed, what comes out. It's easy to default to those reactions of fear and and shame because that's the way it's always been. That's what we've known. It's how it's always been. 
But the absolute joy of the good news is that Jesus came to set us free from that. He's shown us that it doesn't have to be this way. We can be free of negative roots and reactions and find ourselves able to respond differently. So that actually what happens is that we begin to display this good fruit that's spoken about in Galatians 5. So who can tell me what the fruit of the Spirit are? So we'll start with love. It's easy, isn't it? Joy. They've been up on the screen. Come on. Around the place. Let's just shout them out if you know them. Love, joy, gentleness, patience, self-control. Brilliant. Anything else? Kindness. Excellent. This side? Long-suffering. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Yeah, absolutely. So the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control and forbearance. In the verses from Psalm 118, it's like David is repeating that mantra, isn't it? To remind himself of the promises of God. And then he's realizing he doesn't have to be afraid. Fear doesn't have to be his dominant feeling when hard-pressed. Fear doesn't have to be his dominant feeling when hard-pressed. Because God's love endures forever. So for us then, when we're hard-pressed, how can we be hopeful? How can we be rooted like this? So that God's spirit is able to work in our lives, enabling us to produce good fruit, even when hard-pressed. A a tree is known by its fruit. What do we want to be known by? What do you want to be known by? If somebody was to reflect on who you are to somebody else, so if one of your children was to to describe you, how would they be describing you? Maybe that's difficult. One of your adult children, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, or if a good friend, if you were to sit down and think, "Who, who do I admire? What is it about that person that you admire? A, fruit, a tree is, um, is recognized by its fruit. How do you want to be recognized? We want our uh, behaviors to be healthy and consistent, don't we? So that we aren't known as uh, Mr. Mean or uh, Mr. Uppity or a little Miss Stubborn. I'd rather be, no, I'm, I wouldn't actually, but I was thinking about Little Miss Sunshine. That's such a great film as well, isn't it? But, but let's, let's be people that are, uh, that, that who we are is actually what people get, what people see. So that the fruit, so that the, what we're rooted in is actually what we bear and what we see. Do you know, the soil of our lives can change. The soil of our lives can change. We can add good stuff to it so that it becomes better for us and enables us to trust God and to bear his fruit. And the way that God does that is through his Holy Spirit through allowing his Holy Spirit into our lives and to begin that process of transformation. It isn't something we can do by ourselves, but it is something that can change. If you've been around churches for a while, you probably will have seen over the years some people who have had really dramatic conversion experiences and and maybe their lives have changed from real destruction to something far more positive. And that's amazing. But you know what? I'm not talking about that dramatic conversion. I'm not talking about dramatic change. I'm talking about 
uh, us actually intentionally and consciously spending time with God and allowing his Holy Spirit to change us one fruit at a time, if you like, to, so that we're bearing those fruit. It's not necessarily going to happen overnight. And you know what? We will mess up along the way. We will. We're human. That's the way it goes. But the thing is that when we mess up, we don't then need to stay in that guilt or that shame or that deceit uh, that Satan would have us stay in. Because the truth is that the soil can be changed and that we're learning every single day to bear these good fruit. And through those mistakes is very often how we learn. I'm the sort of person, I don't like making mistakes. I find it excruciating, especially if I'm exposed and other people see those mistakes. But do you know what? We don't learn anything unless we make mistakes and unless we actually are able to be honest with one another about those things. And we're, we allow each other to get alongside and to help us on that journey because none of us are perfect. So we need to be intentional about this as we're developing and growing our fruit. We've got a new puppy, he's called Milo. He's absolutely gorgeous, but he needs training. He doesn't know yet. He's, you know, he's gorgeous in lots of ways and he's displaying lots of lovely fruit of love and you know, sort of like, um, what else is he? Uh, faithfulness, he's very faithful. Labradors are very faithful, aren't they? But there's and a lot of joy. <laughs> But do you know what? In order for him to grow, we've got to be investing in him and we've got to be training him and we've got to be consistent in that in order to help him. We've got to invest that time in him in order that he doesn't run away from us in the park and end up in our mortgage advisor's front garden, which is half a mile away. Or in order that we can actually, you know, trust him not to eat everything that's in the, in the house and jump up on the side and eat the roast chicken. We've got to invest that time because at the moment, you know, his natural instinct is to behave in a particular way, to respond to smells, if you like. So for us, we may have very natural responses, very natural ones, because of all that stuff that's gone into us over the years, all of that background stuff. And so actually, perhaps there are some things that we need to be really working on in order that God's Holy Spirit can change and be open uh, to, to us changing. And therefore, we are displaying good fruit. So how do we go about inviting God into our root system? How do we go about doing this? How do we find hope in this and through this? And how then can we bear fruits of the Spirit when we're hard-pressed? Because that's where we know it's really, uh, you see it, don't you, is, is, uh, is when we're hard-pressed. Well, what we can learn from what we've looked at this morning, firstly, cry out to the Lord. Find some space. Space is of a premium these days, isn't it? But honestly, find some space to cry out to God that he might come and start that process of change and transformation in your roots so that you can bear good fruit Jesus often went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He often went there. He took himself off there to pray. If he needs to, then I think we certainly do. Secondly, submit. Jesus was hard-pressed at Gethsemane when he was praying, knowing that he was about to be betrayed and killed. But what came out of him? Service and submission. Not, what, not my will, but yours. 
Thirdly, worship. In Acts 16, we see Paul and Silas in jail. And it says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. There they are, locked in jail. They were pretty hard-pressed at that time. And the other prisoners were listening to them. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the fountain, foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. There's power in the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. There's power in that. And when we take time to worship and in the midst of our hard, being hard-pressed, in the midst of our difficulties, let's worship and see God show up through that. It takes us out of our circumstance, out of our situation and focuses us on our great God and the great power that he has. Fourthly, as a church, we need to be praying for one another. In Acts 12, we see Peter's escape from jail. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. How important is it that we have each other's backs as a community? We need to have each other's backs. As I said earlier, we're going to mess up. It's going to be difficult. We're not always going to be bearing that good fruit but we're all going to mess up and we all continually mess up and we need to have each other's backs and we need to feel we can trust one another enough to be honest about that. So let's pray for one another that we can actually um, get through these difficult times and start to see that good fruit coming through, start to see change happen. When Peter was hard-pressed, his reaction was anger and fear. When David was hard-pressed, his reaction was to cry out to God. When Jesus was hard-pressed, he chose to submit to God, not my will, but yours. When the Israelite army was hard-pressed, they hid. When Paul and Silas were hard-pressed, they worshipped. When Peter was hard-pressed, the church prayed. When you or I are hard-pressed, let's feed our roots some good stuff. So that, when, so that what comes out is good. So that what is seen is good. And as David proclaimed in Psalm 118, God is good. He set the bar. So let's pray for more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And let's give ourselves space to submit to God in order that we can grow these fruits and show less fear, shame, anger, selfishness, or lack of trust in God. He is there. He does want to meet you. He wants you to grow, and he wants you to bear great fruit. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.